Hey, this is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the words you hear encourage you, that they challenge you, that they build your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. So, enjoy. Uh, glad everyone is here. Um, if your first time was last Sunday, then you're probably wondering who I am because I was not here last Sunday. Big shout out uh, to Pastor Don for stepping in and preaching for me. I uh, got hit with this little nasty bug that's kind of floating around, knocking everybody out. Uh, and I'm about 87% today. So good job. You're, that's, that's about as close as you want to get, but we're good. You're safe. If anyone moves, then I'll know. Uh, but anyway, glad to be back uh, preaching, diving into our series uh, that we're doing called Essentials. I'm looking forward to that. And my name is uh, pastor Jim Larrabee, lead pastor here at First Christian Church. And we've got a couple of things we're going to be doing this morning that I'm super stoked about. The first is something we started last month, which is uh, a thing called FCC Stories, where we get a chance to tell your stories on video of, of just how God has worked in your life, transformed your life. We heard a, we heard a story from, uh, from Rhonda just a couple of weeks ago, and now this morning we get to hear a story uh, from Danny. So let me show you this FCC story. is really hard because you deal with a lot of like mental stuff like you don't know how to function properly and you have like an institutionalized brain you know so doing things on your own is really hard and then financials zero and um, family it was really rocky and um, to deal with all that stuff I just didn't so that's why I went to drugs I couldn't stand the feeling of being sober because it just hurt. So I just wanted to say no. And then at that same time too, I was still trying to seek like worth in myself. So unfortunately, um, I would like give my body to people to, for some reason that gave me like worth. That's when, um, where Chris had invited me to church. So I would come to church, but I would literally come high. And then when I, when Pastor Jim was preaching at me, I was getting high in church and I was homeless and it was about two months, a month and a half, two months. And in that, um, there was just one day where I was just so fed up and it went from me talking to Chris, just venting and saying, it's always been trauma, I can't catch my breath, trauma, I can't catch my breath. And I never understood why. And so I went from talking to him to talking to God. And that's when I was like, look, if you're real, if you can raise the dead, move mountains, do all these things, like show me. And he sure did show me. I know that it was God's grace and his goodness that he allowed me to go through that because he knew that was exactly what it was that was gonna get me to surrender, to get on my knees and surrender and just cry out to him. I didn't know that it was a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship and like he takes free will seriously and that you had to let him in. I started like a young adult women's holy girls, a monthly holy girls thing is what I call it. And it's been really great to like get to know the girls one-on-one -on -one and just share and like essentially do life together. I'm serving a couple different places. So I'm in the coffee shop, but that's been really fun because I get to meet like a lot of people and it's just a fun environment. And then I'm one of the young adult leaders at Revive. I love people and it's just, it's so good just to come alongside them and you know, um, do the walk together because it's not easy, specifically in like this age group. It's so easy to fall into temptation, especially with like college. It's so good to just like essentially be immersed with like your people and it's like man they're not drinking they're not smoking they're not listening to worldly music like 
And they're having a great time too. What? I love this. And they're joyous, you know, and it's a joy that never ends. Jesus means everything to me. Like my savior, oh Lord, help me. My comforter, my way maker, my leader. Uh, he's my fighter. Come on. <laughs> I get to sit back. He does it. Um, he's just everything. Everything, everything. I'm sure I could go on a tangent, but yeah, no, he's everything to me. Like my heart, my soul, my flesh. He's Amen. Absolutely. <clears throat> and Danny's here this morning. I didn't. Man, I do not like preaching after your video, Danny. Doggone it. I got a little tear here. Um, man, I love it. Love life change. Yeah, if you've got life change in your life, we'd love to tell that story. So many. The story's just beautiful. And speaking of life change, we're going to be celebrating that through baptism here. Uh, this service, which is absolutely awesome. We got Mariah, uh, who we're going to be baptizing. And I got a chance to hear her story. She's uh, been a long journey. Long journey. Was involved in, I'm just going to call it religion more than anything else. Uh, kind of growing up and her story of where she was coming from. Got involved in some new age stuff. It really, really got dark. Um, but she grabbed a Bible and read the gospel of John. I mean, just reading God's word and God began to speak to her. Jesus began to speak to her and she recognized, man, he changes things and uh, absolutely transformed Mariah's life and uh, is now a Christian Christ follower. And even though she is nervous as all get out this morning, she's like, I can't believe I'm going to do this. She is ready to celebrate her faith with this service uh, as just a, hey, this is my family. I am a Christian Christ follower and I want people to know that. So we get to baptize Mariah right after the message, which is awesome. And and we were just doing Mariah, but when Brandon, Brandon walked into the house this morning, uh, he, he's been going to uh, going here for the past couple months and everything else. He became a Christian in 2020. He said, I walked in the doors and I saw the baptismal tank. And I was like, man, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, today is your day. It's about time you declare your faith in front of your church family. And so I was like, man, we, we got t-shirts and towels, my friend. We can make this thing happen. So he talked to Pastor Don. So we're going to be baptizing Brandon, which I love his story, uh, when we baptize Mariah. So this is going to be awesome. So anyway, great stuff. Love what God is doing here. It's absolutely amazing how he's working. And so some baptisms that we get to do. All right. If, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in a couple of different places, but, but find Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, that's going to be our ending spot. We're in this series that uh, I've been calling Essentials, what every Christian should know. Kind of that stuff that, that it's not just the 101 stuff, you know, how to pray, how to read your Bible, those kind of things. It's some bigger things, some deeper things. We've talked about Trinity. We've talked about some, some different truths, deeper truths that are important to us. And two weeks ago now, uh, I talked about the Holy Spirit. This was supposed to be just a follow-up to the Holy Spirit message. But in talking about the Holy Spirit, I recognize there's this whole nother conversation that we still need to have because the Holy Spirit, that aspect of who God is, uh, the, a person of the Trinity, is just barely scratching the surface. And, and some of you are asking for more information on that. And so I'm going to recommend a book, uh, Francis Chan's Forgotten God. I'll throw it up here for you. Uh, grab this book, read it. It's a great book on the Holy Spirit. If you want to know more about his work in your life and, and how he speaks and what he does, that's a great one to read. Uh, I've got mine all marked up. It's absolutely amazing. 
But in understanding the Holy Spirit, it, it made me realize we got to talk about the spiritual realm, Man, spiritual realm, a little bit of spiritual warfare. Maybe that's why I've been, I've just been out like I have because the enemy just does not want you to get this information. When we talk about the things that are happening around us in the world that are beyond the physical things, because when I say the spiritual realm, most of us are like, what, what are you talking about? There's some people that are aware, but most of us, when we look at the world, we only think of the world in terms of what is physical, what I can see, what I can touch, what I'm going to wear. You know, everything about the world is just a physical thing to us, or it's just based on what we see, or it's based on what we know. These, these is what, this is what I can see. This is what I know. That is the world. Well, that is just a fraction of the true world that's out there. In fact, Jesus had a similar conversation with a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a teacher. He was a leader. And, and he had this question. He knew the physical world. He knew all about the physical world, but he had no understanding of the spiritual world, the spiritual realm. And this is the conversation he has with Jesus in John chapter 3. I'm going to read about 10 verses here for you. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man, he came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher and that you come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with them. So we know you're special. We know you're unique, unique Jesus. We get who you are. And then Jesus answered Nicodemus and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how, how can a man be born again when he is old? How can that happen? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus is like, no, man, that's not how this works. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, which would be physical birth, and the spirit, so here's that spiritual realm, here's the spiritual part of who we are, here's the bigger part of the world, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. The physical is physical. We see it, we know it. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. And of course, Nicodemus has this crazy look on his face. And so Jesus says, don't marvel that I said this, that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. But you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it goes. You don't see it. It's, it's not something you're like, oh, there goes the wind. You know, you, we're not seeing this thing, but it absolutely has an impact on the world. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. So here's Jesus looking at someone who should know, who should absolutely understand that there's a spiritual world, a spiritual realm out there, and this that guy didn't get it. And so Jesus begins to unpack it, wants to open his eyes to the bigger picture of the world. And he gives a great illustration, probably one of the best that I could give you about the spiritual world. He says, man, it's like the wind. And we all know the wind. We all felt the wind. Three weeks ago, did you feel the wind? Amen. Amen. So I was, I was preaching today. We actually had to cancel third service, but I was preaching and you guys were watching me and I was talking away and those trees were sideways. I kept looking over going, it's there. Wow. Yeah. We're going to lose a car or a child in just a moment. You see them right out of the nursery, just right on going, you know, because why? Because the wind, it, you couldn't see the wind. I couldn't point at you and go, Oh, there goes the wind. There goes the wind. But you could see the wind's effect. You could see how much it was doing in the world. And that is a beautiful picture of the spiritual realm. Man, you, you can't see it, you can't touch it, you can't grab a hold of it, but you can absolutely experience it and feel it, and it has a huge impact in this world. Amen?
It does. The Holy Water. Brandon coming in. Hey, man, God's spirit was speaking to me. Man, there's, there's a spiritual thing in the spiritual realm that was help happening in the physical heart of Brandon when he walked in those doors. And that's, that's what the spiritual realm is about and how it impacts us. Now, I would love to tell you that in this conversation of the spiritual realm, I'd love to say that, that there's only God and his goodness that exists in the spiritual realm. I'd love to say that, but I can't. Because that is not the case. That's how it was in the beginning. When God originally created everything, that's, that's how it, it originally was. The spiritual realm was just full of good and, and full of God's presence and God's grace and God's work. And it was absolutely amazing. But then, but then, the very first sin, the very first act of selfishness, the very first act of rebellion happened. I'm not talking about the Garden of Eden. Sometimes when we think the very first sin happened, we think about the Garden of Eden. We think about Adam and Eve. Nope, nope. That was number two. The very first sin that happened happened in the spiritual realm. And I'm just going to read this to you. And it's going to start. Uh, this is Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 14. I promise I'm going to get to Ephesians. But Isaiah 14 kind of tells us a little bit of the story. The very first sin, the very first rebellion that happened, and this this is talking about uh, the um, Lucifer, the, the the best angel God ever created, and this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And you, Lucifer, you were the anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire. You walk. So there's this beautiful place where where God exists exists, and it's amazing. It's incredible. And 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 Lucifer was there, and you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Your heart was proud. Pride creeped in because of your beauty. You're the, you're the most beautiful, amazing thing I ever created. And then you decided you were the most beautiful, amazing thing I'd ever created. And everybody should worship you instead of worshiping the creator God. And so you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your own splendor. And I cast you to the ground. Ezekiel picks up the story and he says this, how you have fallen for heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. That's the, that's the word Lucifer. That's where we get that name from. It means day star. How you are cut down to the ground, you who were laid, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will send to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne. This is what Lucifer is saying. I will set my throne on high and I will sit on the mountain of assembly. I will make myself God. Verse 14, I will make myself like the most high, but now you are brought down to Sheol. And so you have this story before Adam and Eve ever showed up. You have this, you have this story where, where, where Satan, that's, that's the Hebrew name for Lucifer and it means accuser. So Lucifer as an angel, but once he fell, everyone began to call him Satan, which means accuser because that's what he does. He accuses God's people. Well, Lucifer convinced a third of the angels to rebel. He's like, hey, hey, we, we can do this better than God. We, we can make this thing happen. And it can be so much better than what God is doing. And so he rebels against God, him and a third of the angels, which didn't go well. Jesus is talking to his disciples about this, telling them a little bit of the story. And they're like, well, what happened? What, what happened to Lucifer? What happened to the angels? We're so curious. And this is what Jesus says. He said to them, I'll tell you what happened. And he said to them, I saw Satan, Lucifer, the fallen angel, fall like lightning from heaven. So it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well for this rebellion and God cast them out. And the moment, here's the moment, and the moment that Satan realizes he can't overcome God. 
Uh, he, he goes to fight God and God's like, no, not today. And <laughs> just, just they're gone, right? In this moment, when Satan realizes he can't overcome God, what does he do? He decides to deceive and twist and manipulate the thing that God loves most. We even see this now. If someone can't come after you, what do they start doing? They, they, they try to find the people you love. They try to break them and hurt them, and that's exactly what Satan does. He can't hurt God, and so he tries to hurt God's heart by going after the, the people that, that God loves most, which leads us to this moment in Genesis chapter 3. If I had time, I'd read all these first couple of chapters of Genesis uh, for you. Go back and read it, but you have this moment when God creates humanity. And here you have Adam and Eve, and, and, and Scripture talks about them being the crown of God's creation. And they're, they're doing everything that God wants them to do. Here they are. They are, they are ruling and reigning. They are stewards together over all of God's creation, Adam and Eve, and their God-given glory. And it's absolutely awesome. And God has given them, Adam and Eve, authority over the world. God has placed this world in their hands and said, you bring my heart, you bring my love, you bring my grace, you bring me to this world and in the evening God would come down and walk with Adam and Eve to find out how it went how did it go how are the giraffes today how did it go with this situation and these circumstances and God would walk with them until that moment in Genesis chapter 3 when Satan shows up and he deceives Adam and Eve tempts them by getting them to doubt God's word and I'll just kind of read the second sin that happens in scripture. This is Genesis chapter three, verse one. And, and Satan Lucifer uh, says to the woman, did God actually say? Well, the very first time that, that man falls, it is with someone making them doubt what God said, which Satan still does to this day. Did God actually say this? Is this what God really said? That if you eat of that fruit of the tree of the garden, that, that you shouldn't do that? The, the serpent goes on to the woman. You will not die. That, that's not really what's going to happen. You know what? God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Here's the real deal. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So here is Satan twisting God's word, twisting what he says, and making people doubt the heart of God. And so what happens? We, Adam and Eve, humanity, we fall. We lose our connection to God, yielding, yielding our God-given authority over this world. One of the things that sin does more than anything else is it robs you of leadership. And that's what guys, gals, man, we have sin in our life, man. It just robs us of that authority to, to be who God's called us to be. And absolutely, it, it robbed Adam and Eve of their authority. And you know who was there to pick it up? Who, who was there to pick up the authority in this world? Satan. Paul speaks to that in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He says this. He says, in their case, the God of this world, he's speaking about who Satan is, he's picked up that authority, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, I tell you all of that. That's a, that's a big backstory. That is a big backstory. And I tell you all of that so that we, you and I, we know what's going on. That, that we understand that, that we have an enemy who since Genesis chapter three is actively at work against you. And some of you are like, Jim, I haven't done anything. I don't, I don't, man, I, I never do anything. Why is he at work against me? What, what did I do to, to garner the enemy's attention? First, you were made in the image of God. And every time the enemy sees you, he sees God. He knows he can't conquer God. So he tries to conquer you. 
You are made in the image of God, and the enemy hates that. And second, if you're a Christian and you're a Christ follower, he is working to ruin any good work that God is trying to do in you. So Christians in the house, I'm sorry, you got the double whammy. And so here we are, the enemy is working against God's good work in us. And it kind of explains why doing good, loving God, living the truth is so hard sometimes. Yeah, You ever wonder like, Jill, man, you, you tell me this stuff and it should be easy, man. I should be able to do this. But, but when I get out in the world, when I go to work, when I'm with my family, it is so hard to do. Why? Because when we start working on our marriages to do the good thing that God wants us to do with our spouses, the enemy pushes back. When we start leaning into God's word and discovering what's going on and what's happening and, and, and we start learning about the very heart of God, what does the enemy do? He pushes back. When we start living God's truth and, and being who he's called us to be, what does the enemy do? He pushes back. We have an enemy that is actively at work against God's good work in you and we need to understand that. You're not living in neutral territory. You are literally swimming upstream against the push of the enemy to tear you down. Which takes us to Ephesians chapter 6. Because Paul wants us to understand this. He says, hey, listen, I don't want you to live in fear. I want you to understand something even greater. So let me, let me tell you something about this spiritual world, this spiritual realm, this spiritual warfare that you're in. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this. Finally, he's he's toward the end of Ephesians. Finally, let me tell you this, folks. Don't forget this. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, which we're going to talk about next week. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the the wiles, the, 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 the plans of the devil to tear you down. But remember... We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know who we wrestle against? It's it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. It is against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's who we fight against. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all at the end of the day to be able to stand. So what I'm going to just do in, in these next few moments with you is just kind of unpack some truths from, from this thing that Paul has told us so that we know how to walk in the spiritual realm and we understand what we're up against. But the very first thing I got to say is this, and it's so important, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. One of the reasons I don't talk a lot about the spiritual warfare and the spiritual realm is sometimes people get scared. I have people all the time, Jim, I don't know if, I don't know if I want to learn about this. I don't want to, if I want to know I have an enemy, I'd rather, there, there's a thing, the ostrich that sticks his head in the sand that, that thinks, you know, hey, hey, as long as I don't see the enemy, he's not here. He's not there. Me, when I watch a scary movie and put a pillow over my head, if I don't, if I don't see the murderer in my house, he won't do anything to me kind of thing, right? You know, it's just, let me just hide. Well, well, Paul says it doesn't work that way, but here's what we need to know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world that that we have an enemy but that enemy is never has never been never will be more powerful than God in fact absolutely for sure the one time the enemy did stand up to God, God's like, not today, and we're done. There's going to come a time when the enemy stands up against God again, and you know what God's going to do? He's going to have this army. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. It's going to fill the sky, and God's going to go, hold up. 
I got this. And he's going to speak a word and the enemy is defeated. My friend, we do not live in fear of the enemy. We do not have to live in the fear of the enemy because the enemy is, is nothing in comparison to who our God is. And as Christians, as Christ followers, there might be a target on our back, but as Christians and Christ followers, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about what the Holy Spirit was, that word dunamis, dynamite, power, that we have the power of God inside of us. And as Christians, that power of God conquers anything and everything the enemy could ever throw against you. In fact, Jesus in, in Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 16 takes it to the next level. He says, you want, you want to know how powerful you really are? Then know this. I will build my church and he's not talking about a building, he's talking about people. I will build my people, I will build my church, and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. Not, 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 that, not that the gates of the church, the enemy can't come in, but I'm talking the gates of hell where, where those gates won't stop us from claiming ground in the enemy's territory. Now, I'm not telling you to go charge, you know, hell with a water pistol, but you could in Christ if you wanted to. Why? Because we have the very power of God in us and we do not live in fear. So the very first thing I want to tell you about this spiritual realm, spiritual warfare, greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Do not live in fear. Live aware. Live understanding. Live knowing what is said against you so that you can live in wisdom, so that you can live in truth of knowing the steps that you need to take. And the second thing that Paul gives us here in, in these scriptures is, is actually pretty good too. Paul says this, understand that people are not the enemy. I think this is a really important truth. You heard me say this a couple of times, but I just want to circle back to it. Paul is very specific about this and it's very important for us to get this because Satan would love, the enemy would love for you to think that people are the enemy. When you are fighting with your spouse this weekend, don't have to raise your hands about who that was. But it's most of us, some of you are, I saw the elbow. Yeah, that's us, baby. He's talking to us. He must, he must have drove by our house and hurt us. You know, when, when you were fighting with your spouse this weekend, the temptation was to think, right, that your spouse is the enemy. I feel it. I'm there with you. That is the temptation. The enemy would love for you to think that your spouse is the enemy. When you're in a conflict at work with your coworkers, the enemy would love for you to think that those people that you're in conflict with are the enemy. When you're different than someone politically, we're getting to political season and that difference is starting to rise to the surface. The enemy would love for you to think that those people, even here I say that, those people are the enemy. And I want you to understand all that is, is a distraction strategy. The enemy would love to get us so busy fighting each other in our marriages and in work and our world that we don't notice what he's doing and the Apostle Paul says, open your eyes. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, against spouses and co-workers and, and political opponents. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the powers of evil in the spiritual realm of this world. That's, that's where it's coming from. So Paul wants to open our eyes to who's really pushing the hate, who's really pushing the anger, the distrust, the prejudice, the rage in our relationships. Now, having said that, I do need to say this. I, I'm not trying to exempt anyone, anyone from responsibility for their actions. You ever, you ever heard the phrase, the devil made me do it? 
And sometimes, you know, hey, hey, Jim said, Jim said, you know, the, the enemy's the one at work, babe. I am so sorry I said that. Must have been the devil. No, it was you. <laughs> you said that. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> the enemy's going, I didn't do that at all, man. That was, that was all your flesh, right? So, so I'm not trying to exempt us from the responsibility for our actions. The devil never makes you do anything, but the devil absolutely knows how to bring your mess to the surface. The devil knows what your triggers are. You ever wonder why sometimes in relationships, man, why does that thing keep popping? Why does that trigger? What, what's going on? The devil knows. He, he knows how to get you in conflict. He knows how to bring your mess to the surface. He knows how to bring their mess to the surface so that, so that he just steps back and watches the train wreck. And what Paul is encouraging us to do is to be aware, to know that a, that a part of our journey is giving our mess to Jesus so Satan can't use it against us. Now, a, a second truth that comes out of these scriptures in Ephesians chapter 6 is this, and, and I've touched on it a little bit. Paul tells us the enemy has significant influence in this world. I don't want you to miss that. That the enemy absolutely has significant influence in this world, which explains some reasons why this world is so sideways, why it feels like it's, it's moving in the opposite direction of Christianity. You ever wonder that? You know, hey, why, man, why does it seem like these things are just moving against me in the opposite of God's heart? That is the enemy exerting influence against God's purpose and God's plans. Now, the enemy doesn't win. In fact, Paul says this in Romans 8, 28. And we know that those things, for those who love God, all things work for the, together for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. We, we know that as much as the enemy wants to thwart things, that God can turn them back for his good, which is awesome and amazing. But we can't overlook the fact that the enemy is pushing and twisting and turning this world against the heart of God. And, and Paul wants us aware of that. He wants us to understand that. He wants to look around and, and let us see what's really happening in this world. And the thing about that influence, even though the enemy has significant influence over the world, the enemy wants to have significant influence over you. And I say once because this is really, really important. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, the enemy does not automatically have influence in your life. There's some people that walk around thinking that, oh, oh obviously the enemy still has influence here. He does not. If the Holy Spirit resides in you, then you are free. First Corinthians 1.13 says this, that God has delivered us, taken us out of the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So the enemy no longer has strength in our life, no longer has authority in our life, no longer has power in our life, no longer has any influence over who we are except what we give him. I think that's where it really comes down to this morning of understanding this thing. Man, we walk free. We walk in God's hope. We walk in God's life. But Paul says this in Ephesians 4.26. Just remember, don't give place. Don't give influence to the devil. Don't give back to him what God has taken from him. So how do we give the enemy influence in our lives? Two ways, just two ways this morning. And this is where we'll just land the plane here. First way is simply this, believing the enemy's lies. When we believe the enemy's lies, it gives influence into our lives. Now, we don't know it purposefully. None of us are like, oh, oh, there's a lie. Love, love me some lies. Just lie to me. I love it. Nobody says that. 
But when we don't know God's truth, when we can't discern between what God says and what the enemy says because we have no idea what God has said, then my friend, we are opening the door to his lies in our life. One of the reasons we preach from the Bible, tell you to read the Bible, we'll give you a free Bible, is so that you know God's word and what he has said so the enemy can't lie to you. Can't lie to you about who you are. Can't lie to you about your eternal destination can't lie to you about the work he's doing in your life, can't lie to you about the hope that you can have in any relationship because of his redeeming love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Man, the enemy would love to lie to you about all those things. But if you know what God has said, then he cannot lie to you. And the second way that we give the enemy kind of a foothold into our life is simply this, is when we hold on to sin. It's foothold. When we take sin and we hold on to it, what we're doing, we're giving the enemy a chance to hit us with shame and guilt. You ever experienced shame and guilt? All of us, every single one of us. What does the enemy do? He takes that shame and that guilt and he just loads it on. Oh, God can't love you. Oh, oh man, you can't be around those Christians. Oh, you, you shouldn't be in God's presence. He takes that shame and that guilt and he will push you away from God. And the enemy would love for you to be in sin. The enemy would love for you to be there so that you stay as far away from church and as far away from worshiping and serving and growing and community as possible because that's what he wants. Because that's what sin does. And sin brings that shame and guilt and, and just pushes us away from God and all the things that God wants. And, and, and that's, that's where God says, hey, that's, that's why I've given you confession. Part of what we do when we come here on Sunday morning is we take a moment just to confess, God, man, I I just need to get clean before you. Here's the ways that I I, I faltered and I failed and and I've broken and I've struggled and I messed up. And God says, thank you for telling me. I already knew. I'm glad we're clean. Here's the forgiveness you need. I'm covering you in grace and mercy and my righteousness is already on you. Why does God do that? So that he can remove the shame and guilt that so many of us carry in our life that the enemy would love to do to keep us away from the very heart of God. My friend, those are just simple ways that the enemy gets in and he he works against us to keep us separated from who God is. So our job is to do exactly what Paul said. Don't give place to the devil. Don't give influence to him. maybe, Maybe for you this morning, it's just simply asking yourself, what lies have I believed? You may have been a Christian for 50 years. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if you ask the question, God, what lies have I believed? There will be some. I can ask that question right here, right now, and probably come up with two or three lies that I have believed. Two or three lies that, that I'm still affected by. That I still go to God and say, God, what, what lies am I believing that the enemy is using to keep me out of a relationship that I need to be in with others, to keep me out of a relationship with you that keeps me in bondage? Let the enemy just be released from your life. Let, let God speak truth to you. So maybe asking the question this morning, God, what lies am I believing? That Father, point me to your truth. Bring someone to tell me truth. Grab God's word and start reading that. Maybe for you, it's practicing confession. Just between you and God. You don't need a priest. You don't need me. I'd love to pray with you, but you don't need me. 
between you and God, just taking care of the guilt and the shame so that you can walk out of here covered in righteousness. And last, I would just simply say this, man, walk in the truth that God absolutely loves you. You're his son, you're his daughter. More than anything else, he wants to go back to walking with you in the garden. You know what the Bible is? The Bible is a story of how, how we walk, lost Eden, but God has actively been at work restoring Eden in our lives. Paradise to God is him walking with you and me. And that's what God wants. That's what he loves. That's what he wants to get back to. And our job on Sundays... Mondays through Fridays, Saturdays too, is getting to the place where God is at work and walking with us in our lives. We just have a little work to do. But do not this morning let the enemy win. Don't walk out here with lies. Walk out of here in his truth. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for us. Then we've got some baptisms to do. Uh, so let's ask God to do his work. Father, we love you. Love that, th- that there's truth that saves us. We, we, we love that, that you care for us so much that, that you're willing to just open our eyes. And so this morning I ask that, that the spiritual eyes are opened of every man, woman, student in this room. That we see who you are and we're able to pull away the lies of the enemy and we're able to stand in your presence, not with shame, not with guilt, not with condemnation. There's none of that in Jesus Christ. That we're able to confess and just be wholly yours. Sons and daughters of the most high king and we stand in that glory, that original glory. We stand in that freedom. We stand in that peace knowing greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we walk out of here free and full of hope and life. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with a friend. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to find out more information about giving or to see what's going on in the life of our church, please visit us at fccsantamaria.org. Thanks again for listening and God bless.